Welcome back to Tea Time Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry, joined by my co-host, Gary. Today's episode will be mostly college basketball focused. A lot happened this weekend. We'll also go over some controversies that happened in MLB spring training games. And then also got to address live golf. I got a lot of, a lot of hate over saying that I was excited to watch live golf because of who they're funded by, who they're backed by, and like what it is. But other than that, it should be a quick show. We also have T the Electrician on today. Super pumped about that. So with that, Quiet on the tea, please. Let's get into it. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. Episode 6, February 27th, Monday. Recording on late Sunday, obviously. We're back on our grind, Jer. Back on schedule, too. Yep. We're on pace to drop two episodes this week. Yep. You got to love that for the listeners. We said we'd stay committed. So here we go. Starting off the week. Mm-hmm. Dropping Monday. Episode six. How was the weekend? It was good. Went to Sealy on Saturday to watch half marathon. Shout out Brandon Quinn, athlete of the week. Running that half marathon in under an hour 40. And then also shout out Hannah Deck and Kinley Mihelish. They ran it too. They hit under two hours. I think they ran like a 155. So I had a great time. Went down to Missoula, celebrated nice. the dub with them. How about you? How's your Absolutely. weekend? Well, Black Rifle Coffee Company opened it up here on Saturday. Well, had their grand opening Saturday. It's been open a little bit, but they were doing a giveaway. First 50 people get free batch coffee for a year. And Caleb, Kennedy's brother, is a big supporter of Black Rifle Coffee. He just likes their coffee and what they stand for and the founder and stuff. So. He, him and his girlfriend, Mamie, came up here to for the grand opening, and we decided we were going to try to make it there. Well, the opening was at 5.30. We went to dinner on Friday night, drove by at like 8 or 9. There was one guy standing out there, and there were some workers still inside. So I was like, is that an actually a guy waiting, or is that just a worker? And so we were like, oh, it's just one. Like That's kind of how we were gauging. So we decided that we'd get up at 3.30, be there at 4. We got there at 4.05. Guess what? There were four of us. Guess what numbers we were? there 51 and 52 52 53 54 and 55 we missed the free coffee by two people and to make it even better when we rolled up the guy goes you guys literally just missed it like minutes from just missing gary no so we rolled up there at four in the morning after waking up at 3 30 and then for some odd reason we just drove back home and then we got home we're like well we might as well just go stand there so we can get inside Four because they were doing giveaways from like six thirty to twelve thirty. Sure. So we went back there, sat outside till it opened at five thirty, and then I sat in uh, Black Rifle Coffee for till about noon. Didn't win a single giveaway, so that might be the last time I ever attend a giveaway thing, and that just shows my luck. So it sounds like you had a great weekend, though. Glad to hear it, it was fun. I mean, it was definitely fun. It was you know good times. Never never a wasted memory, yeah. but horrible horrible beat bad beat on our beat bad bad like a bad beat one <laughs> that of is the tough. biggest beats i've taken that in a is long very time tough. well enough of listening about us let's get into it mlb rule change you wanted to speak a little bit on this chair yep so mlb kicked off spring training games on friday and it only took one whole day for them to find problems with the new rule changes specifically with the pitch clock yep so in the red sox braves game on saturday uh the game's tied six apiece in the bottom of the ninth Bases are juiced for the Braves, and at the plate is their prospect, Cal Conley. 
He's only played in the minor leagues. This kid should be familiar with the rules considering they implemented him in the minors last year. Uh, but anyways, he steps in the batter's box with 10 seconds left on the pitch clock, and he kind of messes around for a few seconds, you know, kicks the dirt off his cleats, touches the plate, and by the time he kind of gets set and ready, the clock's at six seconds. And so with this new pitch clock rule, along with the pitchers needing to be set by the time it goes off, the batters also need to be set and ready with eight seconds left on the clock. So by the time Braves batter Cal Conley was set, there were six seconds left. So the ump called it. He waves it off. He points at him. He's like, you're out. Let's strike three. So automatic strike three called on him to end the game. Spring training games can end in a tie. So that ended in a tie. And I'll tell you what, the baseball fans were hot. Not just Braves fan, but like everyone around baseball. They're they're already bashing on this rule. And they're worried it's going to happen like in a World Series game. You know, something, an actual important game rather than spring training. And some people are going to the extent they say in this uh, that the shot or the shot clock, the pitch clock shouldn't be used in the ninth inning. So they, you know, this can't ha- happen to end games, which I understand where they're coming from on that. But what's the point of the new rule if we're just going to kind of like make side rules to get around it? Yeah, but you kind of got to look at it both ways. I mean, the eight seconds for the batter to, well, I don't want to say eight seconds, but for the batter to get in and be set with eight seconds still remaining on the pitch clock. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. I think that um, he, here's the deal with it. If the pitcher's, because you got to be in the dirt, right? So yeah. the pitch clock doesn't start until the uh, pitcher steps into the dirt, so into the circle. If he's ready to roll, and the batter's just getting in, and you know they're they're digging in, they're getting their right foot in, they're doing their thing, and it hits like seven or whatever, I don't think it should be a strike. I think, I mean, screw it, because the pitcher's ready to roll. He he's already passed his, you know, his limit on the pitch clock. He just has to get that pitch delivered yep if that batter ain't ready and he tries to call for time with like four seconds or five seconds left on the pitch clock just don't award it to him just Honestly, make yeah. it yeah. like penalize him that way just don't award it to him and then if he's good enough to you know take a crappy chop at it and he gets a hit so be it yep. but if they're gonna get into the box and they're gonna you know mess around do their thing do their routine to get ready and it goes after the eight second by even maybe one or two seconds. And it's going to be so sketchy how they call that. Like, are they going to let it slide a little bit? Like, let it push to seven? Like, what's going to happen there? They're going to have to is the thing because you can't, it cannot be, like, that is really, really close. Yeah, like, you know, gonna, I mean, basing it on a timer is impossible. Yeah, and the players are already finding ways around it because, like you said, so the clock starts for the pitcher when he's in the dirt, like on the mound. Yeah. So if he's like... After he delivers and, like, he's waiting for the catcher to throw it back, if he's standing in the grass, like, he can catch it in the grass and, you know, maybe take his yeah. time to get back in the dirt. So, like, I mean, they've, there's ways around it, and I'm sure they're going to find many more. Oh, yeah. Well, that's how it goes. That's how every – that's how MLB clubs or not not even just MLB but professional organizations, they – you know, you find loopholes in rules. I mean, that's just how it goes. Yep. That's how you gain an advantage. Talk to the Boston Red Sox. They found found a loophole with stealing Did signs. you see what Mookie said? Did you see what Mookie said? Uh-uh. Mookie came out and said they stole signs all the way up all that whole postseason. The Dodgers or who? The Red Sox. Yeah, every team stealing signs. Like no, on. when he was a part of it, he said they were used. No, it wasn't that they were stealing signs like you like normal tra- by the base by the rule MLB tradition. They were using technology and camera yeah. to steal signs. And yeah, Mookie the Red came Sox out got, and admitted. Yeah, they, the Red Sox got. I know, for that. I know, but he admitted, so it was a big deal yeah, when he, he should, came out. You should admit that. that the Dodgers are doing it too, because every club in yeah. MLB was doing it. No, are you kidding me? You don't think every yeah. club. Was you don't think every club was stealing signs? No, like not to the extent that the Astros did it, and maybe n- not to the extent that the Red Sox. 
But every club was using technology to steal signs. I guarantee that. Absolutely yeah. guarantee that. Uh, maybe. No, I'm like... Not, I would, not in the World Series. I think so. Mm, no. I think the reason the Red Sox got pinned was because it was right It was right after the Astros got pinned, which Astros was horrible. Like, Astros that's unexcusable. Bad. But the Red Sox got pinned. It was kind of like, all right, we got to make the Astros not look as bad. And I think they could have pinned any other team. It just happened to fall on the Red Sox. That's going to sound well, so biased, but I, I swear... Yeah, ex- exactly. So, but so do your research. Back to the rule change. I think that you say baseball peers and fans around the world are mad about it, and I, I'm on that side. I, I completely, I completely agree. I actually had Kennedy's uncle Greg shout out Greg, send me a text and say it's so weird watching an ML- MLB game under a time limit. Essential, essentially yeah. a time limit. He said it's weird watching a, a pitch clock, which you know what I kind of agree with him. Now, I, here, here's the thing is. You can't have be on both sides of the fence. So I'm on the fence where I don't think it ever should have been a thing because that's that's MLB. It's a chess game. It's a chess between the batter and the pitcher. I understand you don't want three and a half hour games. Sure. And I understand this can this can lower it. But implement just the one. In, implement the the shift ban so it gets more excitement in the game by hits, right? Yeah, and then see if people are okay with watching it for three hours, three hours, ten minutes. Don't don't come in, mess up the whole chess strategy of these opponents because you know how many times can this? I guess this goes back to the topic of are they going to step right in the circle right away? Probably not. They're probably going to want to take their signs before they get in the circle so they can shake off a sign. Because if they don't, and you want to shake off a sign, then what? Then you're screwed. Yeah. Then you got to step off. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so I, I guess I'd agree with you. I actually am kind of pumped about the clock, though, just because it will speed up the pace. But they did throw, like, a whole lot in literally no amount of time on these players, and I'm sure it's hard for them to adapt. Yeah, I think the f- the first game was two hours and 34 minutes, I want to say. Two hours yeah. 34, two hours 39. That is substantially lower than, um, I think, honestly, even the average NLB game last year. I don't know exactly what that was, but... Manny Machado was the first one to take the out with the pitch clock violation. He went. I he started the year zero and one. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, while we're on the topic of Manny Machado, do you see Mister Bag Getter? What yeah. he got? And he was talking. He was going to go test the free agency, but they must have said well to that. He's yeah because he said in the interview that he um yeah he's going to opt out. He's using his opt out. And so they said, "Are you going to be a Padre next year?" And he said, "I'm using my opt out. That's it." He's not. He wasn't commenting on it whatever and i was like in my mind when i first seen that video when it came out whatever last week sometime i was just like typical manny machado can't win the big ones wants to run and just make a bag it's typical manny machado and personal. i used to love him i was going to say yeah, that sounds I, very personal it, for some reason it is a little can't personal imagine why. but i uh, know i he is a stud but he got 11 years 350 mil he did reject the first contract extension offer from the padres and countered it with an 11 year 400 million okay so he almost, I mean, 11 yeah. years, 350, he sacrificed a little, but that's a bag. Another reason to play him up, play baseball. But, yeah, spring training, starting to see the sticky stuff, starting to see the rule changes, see what it's all about. Yep. It's a good thing, though, going back to that, that this did happen in the spring it training. Is. Like, imagine, like, the first time something to that extent happened was, like, midseason, like, you know, a crucial game or something. Like, the fact that it happened day two of spring training, I think, is pretty lucky for – MLB to well, move forward with this and kind of maybe tidy it up a little bit. Exactly. And to your point, 
I think that's the hope, right? That's got to sure. be the hope. Yeah. Get everything, get five or six instances, like five different five different things that happen where the rule change impacted, and then maybe they'll look at it at the end of spring training or coming towards the end and be like, okay, yeah. is there something we can do about this before we enter the regular season? Which they might, which they might not. I don't, and you talked about the getting rid of the pitch clock in the ninth inning. I mean, I think that's that dicey. is an alternative. I think that's it's dicey, very dicey. Though. It's very dicey, but it's it's an alternative. Yeah. Right. Because you can't have game, games end on an umpire wanting to be the show. I know. Here that's is horrible. I would hate everything. to see a game end like that, but here is everything. Rules. We can't just start picking them apart like that. I think personally. Yeah, that's very true. I just don't think you cannot. The biggest thing is. And it's always you don't want a ref show in any sport ever. In the NBA, you don't want it to be about the officials. MLB, you don't want it to be about the umpires. They should have little to no impact on the game. Zero at all, right? Now For you're sure. just giving them almost another piece of power, in my opinion, in some way. And yeah. so that's why the pitch clock is we're going to find out what happens. Enough MLB talk, I think, unless you got any final remarks. No, I think we hit that pretty Kay. good. Okay, well, you had some that you had to... Get off your chest and to the people about some live golf, I believe, Jer? Yeah, so after last week's episode and saying how I'm pretty pumped to watch some live golf, I got a lot of people basically saying that I'm a horrible person for supporting live golf. And first off, I'm not saying I support live golf. I'm just saying I'm a happy sports fan who gets more sports content with these live golf tournaments. I don't support beheadings and all the other shady stuff associated with live golf, but I do support watching golf three days every Whoa. week. Beheadings? the events are. Yeah, so... I'm not going to dig into the details of that, Sheesh. but some shady, some shady stuff with live golf. So let's just move past that. I just like golf. I, I I'm not going to get political. Hey, we're not, not asking you to support what it's about. We just want to see some sports content. I just want to see some good hey, golf. Just yeah. See some, just want to see some fun sporting golf. events. So enough of that. Just had to address that. Let's move into some college hoops. College hoops. Now, some of you might be thinking, hey, these guys do college hoops at the end of their show and we're only like five minutes in yes you are correct let me tell you why it is february 27th with two days left well three days left including today that's a lie it is february 27th with two days left in the month of february you know what that means? march is three days away march it's March. Is back. It is time to lock it in on college hoops. Do you want winners? Do you want excitement? Do you want to know? Do you want any information? Yeah. This is going to be the hot topic the next couple of weeks. Not saying that we're not going to cover everything else and not saying every episode is only going to be just one segment and then college hoops. I'm just saying today we are covering college basketball. There were plenty of good games this weekend that need talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'll start that off. So it's actually, we're recorded on the 26th, but you listeners will hear this exactly. on the 27th. Anyways, this morning, got up after our celebrations from the marathon runners, went to breakfast, and they happened to have a Montana sports bet machine inside the restaurant. And I had $6 in my wallet from the night before, and I figured why not try to turn that into enough money to call, cover the breakfast bill. Feel yep, me? Yep, you got to love it. Flipping it. So I, I hit Memphis first half, minus five versus Cincinnati. And that cash and put all the winnings on Wisconsin plus seven and a half live. They're playing at Michigan. And when I got this line or when I got this game, it was at halftime and Wisconsin was down eight. 
So Wisconsin came out hot in the second half and had it within one possession within 10 minutes left in the game. And at this point, it's me and my roommate Rosa were driving back to Butte. And I go, I hope this game doesn't go into OT, Rosa, because I know if it does, Wisconsin's going to absolutely sell and lose by like 10-plus or something. So what happens? Wisconsin goes up three with seven seconds left in the game, which made me feel good. I was like, all right, they're actually going to win this. Like, this isn't going to go to OT. But, of course, Hunter Dickinson, who prior to Michigan's last game playing Wisconsin, was seen wearing a ski mask, and he looked like an he, absolute tool. I don't really care for Hunter no, Dickinson. When the reporters asked him why he was wearing the ski mask, like what that was all about, he said he was wearing it because they were going to steal a win against Wisconsin because they're playing at Wisconsin. Yeah. They didn't, yeah, they didn't end up winning that game, but of course he legit actually had to steal this game for them by hitting a three-point to tie the game and send it yeah, to Yeah, that was ridiculous. What happens in OT? Wisconsin derails, completely sells, loses by 10, like I said they would, and I lost my money, didn't get the bracket. Well, you had seven and a half, right? Yeah, they, lo- yeah, yeah. they lost by eight, so you lost by half a point. Oh, they lost by eight. Well, that's, I wish you didn't tell me that. Oh, I thought, it oh, was I thought you... I thought you were just like rounding up because it might as well be 10 if it's not covered. No, that kind of just, that made it hurt even worse. So this win though for Michigan was actually huge. That may help them sneak in the tourney. They're projected the seventh team out as of right now in Wisconsin was the last of the four teams in. So it might flip flop them in the projections. Wisconsin might be out. Michigan might be in now. So big game there. Okay. Another big game being played on Sunday was Northwestern taking on Maryland. You know where that game was played at, Chair? Well, I'm going to assume it was played at Maryland considering they slapped them around like they exactly. weren't another 21 seed. Exactly my point. Northwestern got handled at Maryland yep. 59 to 75. And you know Maryland was up by like 10 10 to 12 range and towards the end of the first half, the Northwestern battled it back to get it within 2 before the end of the first half and I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, Northwestern battled battled to I mean, they could be down double digits going into half, but now they're only down two. Usually a team that rides some momentum going to the locker room might come out a little hot, right? Sure. Holy, they got pounded in the second half. Pounded. Yeah, that's disgusting. And I had to look in. So we talked about on the last pod that Maryland is insane at home. Winning this game moves them to 17-1 at home, and they have an overall record of 20-9. and so they've only won three games away from home, whether that be a neutral court or actually at the opponent's arena. So are you trusting this projected seventh seed in March at neutral locations? No. I'm not. Not even, no. Especially that horrible loss against UCLA they had earlier this year. Remember? Yeah, no. That was bad. We both had money on that game, and it just ended yep. poorly. So poorly. I mean, we discussed it earlier, too, that you have to be able to play away. I mean, yeah. home wins are... A big deal. Every win's a big deal in college basketball. I'm not degrading any home win, but like we said, if you can win on the road, it's a plays a way you're special, way bigger than winning at home. Yep. And that's exactly the reasoning, right? Mm-hmm. Now you don't want to go on the road and lose by 20. And be like, oh well, I was on the road, so. But I'm I'm just talking. If you can win on the road, awesome. If yep. you can murder somebody at home, awesome. But you have to be able to still win. At a neutral site. Especially in Obviously. March. Especially in Especially March. Especially in March. There was a Big East showdown again today. Providence took Georgetown down. I don't have anything to say on that. I just kind of want to mention that the Hoyas of Georgetown, at some point, what do you do? Do you just cut the basketball program? I mean, no, they you are get just... rid of No, you get rid of Patrick Ewing. You know who you hire? Oh, boy. 
Rick Pitino. I know exactly who you hire, actually. Rick Pitino. And if you don't say Chris Rick. Beard. <laughs> Rick Pitino's coming to the Big East. Speaking of Rick Pitino, his I- Iowa Gales got a win by 33 today against Siena when they were favored by 10, so they easily covered that game. Yep. Iona. Here is what I'm going to say. If Iona gets in, they're going to be scary just because of Rick. Yeah, I'd be horrified to play him. Imagine you see them as your draw in the first round. And you just look across the court and you got Rick Pitino there, a Final Four, you know, coach. Yep, yep. I wouldn't want to That's a team it. that you should watch out, especially, you know, I mean, they're going to have to get the automatic bid. They're going to have to win their tourney. I would, they're not going to get in over someone like North Carolina or somebody. They almost could. I don't know. I, have to, I haven't paid much attention to them, but. I, think I mean, they are 22-7, and seven, but it, they, they, they play in the MAC. I honestly don't so, know much about them, but we'll see. No no game, other games today. Penn State, Penn State, Nittany Lions, Jer. This game hurts my heart because I've been so hot on Penn State all year. I said if they make it to March, that's a team that's going to cause problems in the tournament. They'd be like the St. Peter's of this year. They're looking great against Rutgers today in the first half. Might add, and then the second and, half. Th- yeah, I was say, and 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 of the second half. I guess into the second half, but then they just went so cold. They scored three points in the last nine minutes of the game. They blow the ten point lead they had, and I think that loss will essentially seal them out of being able to make the tournament unless they win their conference championship. So, which will be tough. I was listening to the coach conference at the end of the game, mm-hmm. and Penn State's coach just kept reiterating. He's like. It's not an elimination game. We're not done. We still got games to be played. Okay. We're not done. We did kicks like out tourney. Blah, blah, blah. Now, is that something that you think that the coach has to come and say because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to put it in your kid's head, or is that something he's saying to the committee, like, hey, this team's good enough. We just and he kept putting the blame on him. I didn't coach. I didn't coach him this game. I didn't I got out coached. So is that a way to kind of steer the committee's eyes out of the way of these kids, you know, out of this team? itself uh, that was kind of my my thought you know I, th- I think so and I also think Shrewsbury's that guy I love him he's a great yep. coach second season at Penn State but that I didn't he- hear that or see that so I'm pumped he's saying that because that gives me faith that maybe they do sneak their way in somehow yeah so they were up 19 with 17 minutes left in the second half 19 points they blew a 19 point lead it's the biggest comeback in Rutgers history on the road so that's tough that is tough not a game that you want to drop no, at home at Heading into March, yep. but let's get into Saturday's games. Saturday was absolutely loaded, bonkers, crazy. Yeah. It was. It felt like I. I looked at my calendar and I was like, "What month is it? Holy shit!" It's, you know, mm-hmm. still February. People are playing their best basketball. Teams are playing their best basketball. They're trying to get into that tournament. They're trying to get all the momentum they can to get into that their conference tournament and give themselves that automatic bid. Especially these teams like mm-hmm. North Carolina, Penn State. These teams that are on the bubble that don't want to leave it up to the committee, it's a big deal, right, to get yep. in into your conference tournament, make a run, give yourself a chance to get that automatic bid. Going back to Georgetown, what was it, two years ago? They were 2-45, and 2-9,000, and they won the Big East tournament and got into the, you know, got got their automatic bid into the tournament. And that's a great thing about the conference champions. Like, anyone's got a chance. You might not have a great chance, but anyone's got a chance to make it to March. Exactly. That's why you love conference tournaments in the Big 12 Conference tournament is going to be bonkers because oh, we got teams like Texas Tech and the West Virginia Mountaineers they battling. They one this weekend. Texas Tech dropped the, one against TCU. They're up with seconds left. They, yep. They lost. I was so heartbroken. That could have been such a big win. If they got that win, they honestly could have had a chance. 
of winning out and making it like without an automatic qualifying bid into the tournament. So let's talk about that. We've, we've talked about this before. Texas Tech, I think you said it when you ran your calculations, the 34-minute team. I think that's what you call them, 34-minute yeah, team. Yeah, 35-minute team. 35-minute team. They were, I don't want to say controlling, they were winning this game. They were down by nine at half. They mm-hmm. get into the second half. They they don't take control, but they take the lead, right? Late yep. in the game. Yeah, this, they played it. good basketball throughout the game. They just couldn't finish. Oh, yeah, they, they absolutely, it was a good game. It was just Big 12. It was just Big 12 basketball like we always talk about. So, Miles at TCU getting a dunk with just about a minute left in regulation to take the one-point lead, and then they get a stop. But then Texas Tech, how they are, gets a steal with about 30 seconds left, goes down and gets a quick layup with 13 seconds remaining. They're up one. Mm-hmm. All you need here is a defensive stop. This is what good teams are made of. This is how you get the big wins in March, right? Yep. Every game is going to come down to this. What do they do? They foul. They get a foul three seconds in. So with that eight was seconds left on the game clock, and that was tough because they had fouls to give. They weren't TCU wasn't in the bonus yet, and they were trying to foul them on the floor, and they accidentally it was a shooting foul, so that sucked there. But Texas Tech almost played it perfect. It was unfortunate that whoever got fouled got it on a shooting foul out than on the ground. Very unfortunate. TCU makes both free throws. Four seconds left. Texas Tech gets a look at the end, end of regulation. Not really a look, but just kind of a, mm-hmm. a you know, yep. a saving grace shot. Misses. They they drop. One at home against TCU by a point. That would have been a very big win for Texas Tech at 5-11 and 11 in the conference. It would conference. have been a huge win. Been, that's probably their toughest. Oh, I think they got Kansas, too. I was going to say that might be their toughest like last game of the season, but they definitely got Kansas, so that'll be a tough one, too. So Well, let me just spell this out to you why it's even bigger, right? Well, it's all about seeding heading into the Big 12 tournament. Now these teams are trying to get a good seeding, sure. right? Texas Tech is 5-11 and 11 in the conference. Oklahoma State is above them at 7-9. and nine. Texas Tech gets that win. Instead, they're 6-10 and 10 in conference. One game back of Oklahoma State. You know who they got the last game of the season? Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Yep. This, was a, this was a win that would have potentially gave them a shot. Well, Oklahoma at, State could still drop a couple. No, they can, but it gave them the shot at the 7, but not only 7. The six is TCU and Iowa State are tied at 8-8 eight and eight in conference. Now, that's a huge hope. That's saying one of those teams would drop two, yeah. and Texas Tech would have won both. But still, it, it you would have got the win against... Actually, that's a lie, because TCU would only be 7-9 and nine mm-hmm. in conference. So that would have been even bigger, because yeah. then they would have had that. Oh, man. Yep. Yeah, it was a tough game. I hated to see my Red Raiders fall. But they just got to dig deep. Hopefully, they can get, get something going, get into March. Well, we might as well stay on the topic of the Big 12 and those Saturday games. We get into it a little bit with the elect- T the Electrician segment. Stay tuned. That's going to be plugged at the end of this segment. The West Virginia Mountaineers gave t- Kansas a run for their money yep. in Lawrence, Kansas. They were they went in there trying to get their first win in school history at Lawrence mm-hmm. and just fell short. That's typical, though. It they is typical. I mean, they're not as bad as Texas Tech, like, finishing games but they've been like just not capitalizing on a lot this season they haven't man and it's funny that's why you love college basketball is every game the really good teams and the really bad teams are separated by probably I mean I don't want to say really bad but some really bad teams and some bad teams are separated by just a slim margin with them really good teams and in the big 12 there is no 
like margarine. Like they're all basically even, I'd say. Exactly. Every game is mostly coming down to a last second shot or a last second stop. It's mm-hmm. a big deal, right? That's yeah. how, I mean, that's why the Big 12 conference this year is going to make some noise in March in the big tourney because these teams are battle tested and they're battle tested all the way to the end. Oh, yeah. Did you get a chance to watch the West Virginia versus Kansas game, Jer? No, that was peak marathon time. <laughs> you were out watching some runners? Mm-hmm. No, it was, the game was so crazy. West Virginia down two and a half and ended up losing by two. But they had a shot at the end of the game to tie it or win it, and they didn't even get a shot up, Jer. It's yeah, that's going back to one of them things where I don't can't care. Happen. Can't happen. It cannot. It just cannot happen. And it was so ugly. But here's the thing: is if they get if they get a shot up, I honestly feel like I don't care what the shot looked like; they would have went in. That's what can or what West Virginia was doing at the end of that game. Yep. They were hitting big time shots. They were Stevenson was lighting up the three ball. It was a big deal. I thought Kansas, you know, Kansas prevailed at home. Number number three in the country. They deserve to be that number three. Yep. They will probably get a number one spot in March tourney, I would say. They will definitely be one of the fours. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good game. I yep. thought West Virginia played hard. Sorry, Bob, Bob Huggins. <laughs> but another game that came down to the wire between a team not ranked and not very great and a team that's ranked pretty high is Arkansas-Alabama. And different than the West Virginia-Kansas game that was kind of close for the whole game, this game was not that close at the end of the game. Alabama was up like 10 points on Arkansas, and Arkansas made a run and got within distance to win the game. I didn't catch this game either, but just looking at that game flow, they did just spike up right at the end. It was right at the end of the game. And now, I guess, shout out to Nate Oates. They were down nine going to the locker room. They came out in the second half and just put a started putting a beating on Arkansas. Arkansas, who was actually ranked pretty high, I don't know what their highest ranking was at the beginning of the season, but I know they cracked at least the top 15. Yeah. Which, now not ranked at all, sitting at 19-10 and 10 and 8-8 eight and eight in conference. They're battling. This game was crazy, though. Um, Brandon Miller finished with 24 points. He is balling on a budget, on the tightrope. Did you see what he did before the game? Yeah, before the game. I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, like, that he didn't have anything to do with it and, like, you know, that he probably means well and feels bad for what he did. But after just running the the pregame ritual of of getting patted down, I, I can't believe this kid's playing basketball. I can't believe it. Yes. So Jer's talking. During pregame introductions, the end of the line when they always when they always get their handshake in with one of the one of their teammates, teammate performed the f- frisking him down, patting him down as if he was getting arrested or something, and it was just just bad taste. It was crazy. I mean, yeah. I can't believe I I saw what I saw considering what he's under right now. He, yeah. they're saying that he so uh, supplied the gun to uh, his teammate or his ex teammate that shot and killed woman on campus a couple weeks ago and that Brandon Miller's windshield was shot at twice. I don't know if that ever came out that that was true or not, but that was alleged. I don't know. Um, He's not being charged with anything. Let's just get that clear right now. It's just crazy, the whole sequence of events that's 
come yeah. down from that. And to be fair, on his behalf, which I don't know, I'm trying to give him an argument on his side. That was his ritual all season. It's not like he just started doing it, but right. it's still, you gotta have situational awareness. Like, come on, right. be better. Yeah, I agree with you there. Alabama, though, Jer, good team. If Brandon Miller's playing, they're in contention for the chipper this year. If he's they not playing, I don't know. Will he yep, be playing? Absolutely are. If he keeps up his axe, probably not. Well, we're talking about the number two and the number three team. Now, mind you, there was a lot of basketball being played on Saturday. We're getting towards we're getting towards the end of the season. Pretty much, Saturday is jam packed with games. Right oh, before yeah. the, before conference tournaments, great games. Like I said, Indiana, Purdue, the Big Ten. Now, did you see what happened in pregame here, Jer? Pregame? Yeah. No. Purdue was down shooting um, free throws. Right before uh, the national anthem and everything, Indiana started lining up, and you know they line up, they line up um, in line with the free throw line, so they stand on the free throw line and they just yeah. pile down. So Purdue's still shooting free throws, and Indiana starts lighting up, and every kid walks straight to the free throw line and stood on the line. So they're shooting their free throws, and their elbows are damn near hitting the Indiana kids' face. Faces, I love that Purdue by Indiana. Just keeps going. Competition starts before the whistle blows. I love that. It That's was good. awesome. And I mean it. Proved to work. Got in their head. Indiana makes yeah. the second half comeback, and they win by eight. Indiana U owns the state of Indiana by sweeping Purdue this season. Yeah, the sweep of the season against Purdue, against a good Purdue Boilermaker team. Mm-hmm. They have their number. I mean, they're two of the five losses. That's a that's kind of a big they deal. Did. Yep. And that's Purdue losing three of the last four. Two of those are road games at Northwestern and Maryland. I covered those last week. And then they got a win against Iowa, Ohio State, which honestly is not saying too much. And then they come come into Mackey Arena, essentially gave Purdue the business. And that that freshman Jalen Huchavino dropped thirty five yep. points, so he's I'm starting you, to heat up. I'm glad you spotlighted him. I did want to say something about that. Thirty five points um, against a team that it's hard to go get, go into the paint on with Edie standing in the for middle sure. there. He does a pretty good job of being in the middle. Yep. So that's a big deal yep. for an Indiana team that needs scores. If they can score the ball in They've showed this throughout the year. They score if they can put up points. They're they're going to win that game, for sure. They can. What, out, what they do you think about this team moving into March? Though you think you're going to pick them deep? You know, I I I don't want to say no because I'd love to see Indiana roll roll, mm-hmm. but I'm leaning towards no because they need to score points to win games. So I'm and also say, and, yeah. Go ahead. I say that like, and it's like that sounds stupid. Like yeah, Gary, of course you need to score points to win games. That's how you win games. No, I'm saying that they're not like a Northwestern team that if their if their shots not falling, they can rely on their defense. They need their shot to fall to get get past teams. And I think I'm gonna kind of add on to this, and this is gonna even sound stupider, but I think the reason they'll be exiting early in March is due to Huchifino. I think he's a good player. Like, don't get me wrong, but he makes some questionable calls up at the guard and guard playing defense. That's how you win games in March. And if he starts kind of messing around up there, I think he could. Cause them to slip and they'd be out round one, round two. So. Yeah, it it all depends on a draw too, right? That's true. Yep. But that's with every game. That's with every team. Mm-hmm. Depends on a draw. Another game. <clears throat> so we covered Kansas, Alabama, two and three. Purdue at five. We're not going to cover Houston because I'd imagine you didn't watch any of this game. I didn't either. We'll mm-hmm. just we'll just make the statement that number one Houston made light business of East Carolina on Saturday, as they should have beat them by twenty one at East Carolina. Nope. Number six, Virginia. Jerry, mark my words. Our last 
episode yep. was regarding UNC getting in the tournament and they needed to win. However, three of their last five games is what you said, right? Three of the last. Well, I said they need to win all four, but Joe Lenardi, yeah, the bracketology guy, said he says they need to win at least three of the last four. And shout right. out to North Carolina. They proved me wrong. They got a eight-point win over Virginia, and honestly, they dominated that whole game. I think they're up double ditches for a majority of it. They, And I got to admit, I'm with Joe now. I think after that win, they need to win. They need to win their next game against Florida State, but their final game against Duke, rivalry, if they don't win that, I'm I'm not gonna be mad. I think they still deserve to be in. Like they showed, they showed they could play basketball on Saturday, and it's good to see. Cause honestly, a tournament without North Carolina, like that's just not March Madness. So I am pumped to see well, them winning, and they made me eat my words. I agree. It's not a tournament without North Carolina in there, and one of the reasons is that is they have one of the longest streaks, active streaks of tourney appearances. But you mentioned they have to get their next win against Florida State, right? Yep. So let's move right over to Florida State. Wow. Is all I have to say. That game this was gave sick me, too. This gave me uh, Stephen F. Austin versus West Virginia vo- tourney vibes from. Oh shoot, that was probably five, six years ago now. I don't even know what but you're talking about, but I love it. The Stephen F. Austin lumberjacks from the redhead. I remember there was just one redhead. I don't remember his name. He had a red hair, red beard, and right at the end of the game, he goes down and hit, banks the banks it from half court to beat West Virginia, to take him down in the first or second round. Mm-hmm. So awesome, but it was the same type of vibe. Here's the thing. The Miami Hurricanes absolutely dominated 30 minutes of this game. They they killed them, Jerry. Yeah, they yeah. they murdered them. And that's a great team, the Miami Hurricanes. Oh, they're loaded. And so they're up 23 at half. They scored 54 points, ladies and gentlemen. 54 points in the first half. They're up 54 to 31 and they lose 84-85. Now, when I say they dominated 30 minutes, you might ask, there's only 20 minutes in a half. That's because they dominated in the second half, too. They were still up by 15 points with 12 minutes in the second half. They were up 18 points with 15 minutes in the second half. Then it starts to go. Ten minutes hit, they're up seven. Seven minutes hit, they're up five. Then they're hanging on. Then they start scoring again. They get back up six. Then they go up four. And then what do you know? Florida State takes the lead with six minutes left in this ballgame. And honestly... Back and forth after that, 70-71, 72-71. You know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Then Miami gets a dunk with 39 seconds left. They're at home, the number 13 team in the country, a playing against Florida State, who was one of the worst teams in the ACC, might be the worst team in the ACC. They won that game, in my mind. I was watching that. I had it on. I had every Miami game Miami won that game so in your mind? Said, in my mind. Like, when they, when they hit the dunk with 39 seconds left, I know that's a ton of time but in my mind I'm like oh 39 seconds left get a stop then they foul they play the foul game Miami's a a decent free throw shooting team they can Mm -hmm. score no they make the dunk Florida State goes down hits a jumper with 23 seconds left then they get a foul on them no big deal they had fouls to give Miami misses a layup because Florida State blocks it I was like oh my gosh they're down one after Florida State just hit so remind you they're down one with 23 seconds left Florida State gets a block with 10 seconds, and I'm like, oh, and it just worked out perfectly. Bounced out to one kid, kicked it out to a three, bang, with five yep. seconds left. Miami. Well, I thought the game was over lead. there. I was so pumped on that shot. Oh, that shot was sick. Next. Then Florida State inbounds the ball. Don't let 
grabbed the ball inbound right away. I liked that, right? He grabbed the ball, gave him like one, two seconds to get. I like that. I hate when like the teams like go down two and then they like walk to walk to the ball and like try to set everything up. It's like, yeah. well, now you're giving the defense also time to set up. They got the ball, they grabbed, they inbound it right away. So it was kind of a run. He gets it on the run, just a prayer right off half court. Bang! I was like, oh my. Yeah. So Florida State wins at the buzzer from a prayer. Beats Miami by one at Miami. That's nope. a tough loss for Miami to take. Like that's that's an expected win at this time in the season against a bad Florida State team, especially at home too. But they'll be all right. I'm still pumped to watch Miami play in March. And honestly, they only lost by one. It's not like they got blown out at home. So exactly. And and it was still buzzer beater. But yep. it's just one of them things. Like you don't want to lose a 21 point lead to a very no, very no, for very, sure. very bad team. Yep. Yep. And speaking but, of buzzer beaters, did you watch the Arizona State Arizona game? Jerry, did I watch it? Oh, you had money on it. I lost a lay. Oh, off that buzzer beater. no, a three teamer. Oh, let me just say, me and me and Zarch, shout out Zarch. We were watching this game post marathon in a, a restaurant, and we like when that shot goes in. I think people thought like we just won the lottery. Like we were screaming, and like not that we cared who won the game, but it was so crazy. In the moment. Oh. When Arizona was up, I think I think they got it as high as six or seven, like towards the very end of the game, like closing minutes. I was like, that's game. Mm-hmm. Like, that's game. That's the seven, seventh ranked team in the country at home against Arizona State, who, which, bad on my part because Arizona State's actually a pretty decent team, but I had the recency bias in my head because I took them for the play of the day a couple episodes ago, and they got absolutely gotcha. rocked by Colorado at home. Yep. So in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's game. Arizona State ain't like that. They ain't like that. Well, it's also Arizona like versus Arizona they State. They were like that. They were like that. They were really like that. Uh-huh. I thought when Arizona, I mean, the last minute of this game, last even two minutes, it was such a roller coaster of a game. I like the emotions. The whole Saturday just felt like March. Like I felt like I was watching the first round of the March Madness tournament. I was like, this is great basketball. It was. Because this, it, it was these such last a good slate. two minutes, it was a great slate. My heart's going up and down. Arizona takes the lead. Arizona State takes the lead. Arizona takes the lead back. Arizona State takes the lead back. And then here is the thing. Let me preface this by saying these are 18 to 21-year-olds or 24-year-olds, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they cannot hit a free throw. Yeah. There's nothing more painstaking in all of sports betting history when you're like, oh, they're at the line, let's go. And then it's like, clank. I mean, you got mother. pressure. You got you to gotta give them the pressure aspect. They're That's just kids, fair. man. They're just kids. The, Well, they go one for two with two seconds left at the free throw line. Granted, it was the big guy. Balo, I think his name is, right? I don't know. One for two with two seconds left to give them a two-point lead. Okay? You make both your free throws there. You're up three points. You only can go. The worst you can do is go to overtime. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. Now, what happens next year? My heart gets. Oh, I can't imagine having money on this and watching this game. Ripped in half. Oh. Thrown in a monster's mouth, chewed, spit out, and then thrown right back in my chest. Arizona State hits a buzzer beater. Way more wild than the Florida State buzzer beater. Like this, this was this one was like 
This one was crazy deep. too. Yeah, this one was like he put that one up from like deep. Crazy. He put it up from way deep, and it was it was a running like, and there was a, it was a no doubter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was like oh yeah. Sue's left his hands like Tush. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was a good game. So you had some top ranked teams go down on Saturday. You had number five Purdue go down. You had number six Virginia go down. You had number seven Arizona go down. Mm-hmm. You had. A Big 12 showdown between Texas and Baylor. The 8 and 9 play each other. So you had the 8 go down in Texas. Baylor made light work of Texas, what it seemed like, you know, in in, in a little bit. But they actually ended up winning by 9. It was closer than I say when I say light work. Like, yeah, I'm talking just because they won by 9. But got Mississippi State getting a win over number 25, Texas A&M. Yep. Number 25. You got down. Creighton going down against Villanova, which, you know what? Let's talk about Villanova for a second. Let's talk about Creighton for a second, too. What do you got to say like, about Creighton? I'd love to hear I, this. I think, I mean, that's a tough loss, but honestly, Nova could be back. You can never doubt Nova, even though they've had a horrible season. But I think Creighton's another team that's going to cause problems in March, and I think they could make a deep run. I agree. I agree. And. I'm going to back Villanova here. I think Villanova is running right now. They Jared. need a prayer to get in, though. They need a big prayer they gotta to get win. in. Here, they got to win the They conference. have to win the tourney. But here's the thing. I literally think they might. They take I, down Creighton. They take down Xavier the game before. They lose to Providence. But then they have three wins before that in a row, too. They're playing good basketball yeah. right now. Like a Villanova team... That is not very good as overall overall sits. They're sitting just above 500 for the season. Not great. Not what you're expecting Villanova to be. But, Jer. Yep. Wow. And I'll tell you what. That Big East Conference Tournament, I think that's going to be the best conference tournament of them all. Like, Big 12 is amazing. Don't get me wrong. But this conference tournament is going to be insane. 96, it's just so up in the air. And there's so many, you know, like, you got... The Big East always plays each other really tough. That and just... And they've got so many good teams this season. They do. They got Providence. They got Villanova. Well, Marquette. Okay, let's just talk really good teams. Providence, Marquette, Creighton, Xavier, and then you got Nova. You know, I mean, that's five teams right there. Like that's going to cause some problems in that tournament. It's going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, I think that the Big Twelve and the Big East tourneys are going to be. I think those are going to be nail biters. It'll be fun. Definitely fun to watch. Yep. Not that every single one won't be. But if you're going to lock in on one or two, those would be the two to lock in on. Mm-hmm. Yep. With that, Tea Time History was made, and we had our boy, T the Electrician, on for his Spark of the Day segment. It's first one in Tea Time History. We recorded it prior to this episode. So sit back, enjoy, listen to T's Play of the Day, back him. Welcome to our first T the Electrician segment in Tea Time history. T, welcome to Tea Time. How do we feel? Thanks for having me. I'm feeling good, you know. Mr. T, it's been way too long, and I know the listener's been dying to get you on and dying to hear your spark of the day. So for the first time in podcast history, tell me, what's get, what's getting us going? What's the spark? All right, Jer. So Monday... February 27th, Iowa State is going to be hosting West Virginia Mountaineers. Okay. Okay. The spread 
is minus four in favor for the Cyclones. Mm-hmm. Now, these guys have already played a couple games ago. West Virginia won. They won by like five. So now it was in Morgantown, West Virginia's home. Let's bring it on over to the Cyclones, the Hilton Coliseum. Yeah. Okay? Now this place is an electric factory. Absolutely it is. Okay. They almost sell out all their home games. The fans are going to be there. They're going to show out. And I mean, it's going to be crazy. So now right. you get the fans into this. Iowa State, they're going to be shooting the lights out. It's going to be insane. They're going to so have to get an electrician. I'm Iowa that's State. science. Correct. Yeah. So now I'm taking Iowa State minus four. Okay. Okay. Throwing a 50 bomb on him. I really like it. All right. He's tracking to the dollar too. How about that? You know what? We like that. I love that he's dipping his toes right into the toughest conference in college basketball in the Big 12. Always talk about it on this podcast. Every podcast is brought up, and it should be, because it deserves the respect it's brought. T, yes, it does. The only thing I have to ask you there is Iowa State is 2-5 and five in their last seven games after a straight-up loss against the spread. Does that make you nervous at all? No, you know, these guys coming off three-game losing streak. They're ready to shoot the lights out. Yep. They're ready to show out. I like you know it. what, T? Yeah, you know what? Iowa State is a team that's due, and I am are. currently a sports gambler that's due. I'm two and five on the pod picks. I think I've lost the last two straight. So I'm a, I'm gonna ride this with you. I'm going to Iowa State minus four too. I'm gonna throw a fifty bomb on it as well. Down twenty five dollars like right now, trying to get back to the positive. Let's have ourselves a day. I'm with that. I like that, Joe. Let's get you in the win column. Let's get me in the win column to start off the pod. Yep, yep. Well, there ain't room on this podcast for two losers, so. T, this is going to yeah. be your time to show up and show out just like them Iowa State fans coming to the Coliseum Monday night. Now, as yes, we're recording sir. at 9.50, the line has moved from minus 2.5 to minus 4 in favor of Iowa State. So some money coming in, public maybe jumping on Iowa State early. Does that make you a little bit nervous? Does that have you questioning a little bit? Do you like the line at 4? You know, it does make you question it when the whole public, I mean, they're on it, they're on Iowa State. But, you know, it just makes you feel better because everybody knows they're just going to win. Hey, I like these fair. guys a lot, you know. I like that Me too. too. Me too. Plenty of time. Plenty of time for it to swing back. It, that's very early. Very early. Yeah. Almost every line will swing one way. And it probably it might come back. It might keep going. Who knows? Now, when I say keep going, where is your cutoff? Just for the listeners. So when they come in and they hear this podcast tomorrow before and they're, they're listening to our play of the days and they're listening to TV Electrician Spark and then trying to hop on ride that train to themselves in the wind calm. Where do you cut that line at? Where, where does it make you nervous? What, what point do you say, you know, minus four, let's say, let's say it moves to six. Do you like it at six or is that a little too high? You, you kind of like that four range. You know, I really like the four and a half range, but you know, going up to six and a half, I'd take him at six. Oh, and push half. that far. Top line. T's going to get it at four. Iowa state cyclones taking on the West Virginia Mountaineers in a big 12 classic. Towards the end of February, heading into Big 12 tourney, looking for some momentum. T, it was a pleasure having you on the show. We appreciate your time, and we look forward to having you on more than once. Yeah, hopefully you win, Thank though, because if you lose, you're not allowed back on. Gary said yeah, there's, no. not, there's not enough room for two losers. I'm the loser. Right. So We'll start it off in the win column, you know. Yep. Yep. It'll be all right. And I'm looking here now. I was looking at the over of this game. Oh, okay. He's throwing two bets in first day. You know what? 134 and a half. You know, I'm just looking at it. I'm thinking it's going to be an electric factory in this place. They're going to be shooting the lights out. I mean, 
I'm also sprinkling the over. I love that, T. I like that too, T. Over in Mountaineer games on the road against a team with a winning home record is 24-7 and in the last 31. That is a great stat to have on your back if you're looking at the over, ladies and gentlemen. Love those numbers. Love them numbers. T, any last words to send off the podcast? No. Thank you guys for having me on. T, thank you for being on. We appreciate Appreciate it. it. Appreciate you guys. All right. All right. That was T, the Electrician's Spark of the Day, a segment we hope to keep rolling here at Tea Time Pod. Moving into our picks, I made mine on that segment. I'm rolling with Iowa State minus four with T. Gary, what do you like for a Monday, February 27th? You know, not a lot of games on the Monday slate. Um, Some tough games, really, against the spread. You had Baylor minus one and a half, Senate one and a half anyways, going at Oklahoma State. That seems like easy money. Um, If you're looking at it from the outside, a Baylor number nine ranked team going against an unranked team who Mm -hmm. is under 500 conference, but Oklahoma State is tough at OK State. That's a tough place to play. OK State's hungry to get some wins. So I'm going to go with the team we just talked about a little earlier in the podcast. Might be a questionable pick. Give me the Tar Heels. As we talk, the Tar Heels need this win. But do they they need it by seven? That's why I don't like this pick. But Florida State is coming off a huge win against Miami. They were down by 20, so they were getting absolutely rocked, and the Miami let them come back into the game, and they went on a buzzer beater. Motions are high. Motions were talked about with T in his segment. So you know what? I'm going to ride that same wave and go against the emotions. Their emotions were so high, they're coming. They're going to come in low, right? They just gave everything they had. The game before that, before Miami on Saturday, they lost to Boston College by 14, and then they lost to Clemson by 10, then lost to Pitt by 8. Okay? This is a bad team. UNC is 5-0 and against the spread in their last five road games versus a team with a losing home record. They're also okay. 0-5 against their spread in their last five road games. So that's got to break. That's got to give. They have to get that win against sure. the spread. Florida State is 1-6 against the spread in their last seven games overall in that one win comes with that buzzer beater against Miami when they really probably shouldn't even have covered because they were down by 40. Mm-hmm. They're also 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six home games versus a team with a losing road record. But this ain't just any team with a losing road record. This is a team that's vying to get in the March Madness tournament that knows they can get in. They control their own destiny. And if they can win, and if they can win convincingly, they have a really good shot rolling into the last game against Duke to get that win and get themselves in the tournament. So get with that, give me North Carolina minus 7. Okay, and for our play of the day, we've been talking a lot about how we're going to start talking hockey on this podcast, and although we haven't dug deep into it yet, I think we started off by making a hockey pick. So, Gary, for the pod pick, how are we feeling about the Bruins tomorrow at the Oilers? I love the Bruins at the Oilers. Minus 140, Okay. good line, yep. the best team in the NHL, best sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference. I mean, vying for one of the best teams in the NHL. They're sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference. Can I get them at minus 140? going away at Edmonton, at the Edmonton Oilers, riding a uh, win streak, yeah, we'll take them. Okay. But let me go over, just, just so we can keep this podcast honest, our picks from last episode. Jerry had San Francisco oh, really minus bring eight. This up, huh? That did not cash. No. I had Northwestern at Illinois plus five. They lost by four. That covered. And then we had Penn State money line against Ohio State. They won by four. 
Yep. And I'm just going to put this out there now. So I track this, my betting to the dollar. I'm down 25 right now. And I know the doubters and haters love that. But you should want me to win because if I get up by the time March Madness starts here in a couple weeks, whatever I'm up, I'm going to put that in uh, tournament challenge bracket, free entry, and whoever has the best bracket gets the pot. So you should be rooting with me. I need to start hitting my picks. And so that money will go to the listeners or at least one listener who can pick the best bracket in March. Love it. So recap, Jerry's got Iowa State minus four against West Virginia at home. I have North Carolina going to Florida State, giving up seven, minus seven, and the pod is taking the Boston Bruins. Moneyline at the Edmonton Oilers. T, the electrician, also took Iowa State minus four against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Stay locked in. T, the electrician segment. We'll have a video. We'll post it to Instagram and Twitter. It'll be out by the time this podcast is out. Go watch it. Give it a like. Give it a retweet. Put it on your story. Support. We appreciate it. Any final words, Jer? No, I'm good. Thanks for listening to Tea Time Pod, and make sure to tune in on our next episode, which will hopefully be out on Thursday. Love it.